Welcome back to the book club. I'm Michael Knowles. This time we're talking about Of Human Bondage by Somerset Maugham. But first, you know in this fast-paced world, it is very tough to make reading a priority. At least it used to be. But at thinker.org, they summarize the key ideas from new and noteworthy nonfiction, and they give you access to an entire library of great books in bite-sized form. So you can read or listen to hundreds of titles in a matter of minutes, from old classics like Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People, to recent bestsellers like Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for Life. So if you want to challenge your preconceptions, or expand your horizons, or most important of all, sound smart at cocktail parties, then you got to go to thinker.org. That is T-H-I-N-K-R.org. No vowels, no time for that, folks. You can start a free trial and you can put your mind in motion. So let's put our minds in motion. We're talking with the great Sage from South Central, Larry Elder. When he suggested this book to me, I assumed it was the prequel to Fifty Shades of Grey of Human Bondage. <laughs> Hardly. <laughs> the other thing about this book, mm-hmm. I knew, look, you have great taste. I like Somerset Maugham. Last Somerset Maugham book I read was a pretty, pretty short book. So I say, okay, I'll read this in a couple days. We'll do the show. Mm-hmm. This book is like 600 pages. You can't, you can't read it in a couple days. It is very hard to, and yet as I'm going through it, I say, okay, maybe I'll read it, kind of skim it a little bit. You can't skim it. The book is phenomenal. And it, and it talks at its heart about one of the themes that I know you talk about all the time. We're always thinking about human freedom, what it means to be free, what it means to be in bondage. I hate to make you summarize 600 pages in 30 <laughs> seconds, but uh, if anyone could if do it, I can do it. Can. I can do it. It's a coming-of-age novel. It's about a young man named Philip Carey who uh, lost his parents, was raised by a very difficult uh, pastor father, and it's about trying to figure out what to do in, in life. He ends up uh, pursuing religion and then drops that. He pursues art, drops that, ends up going to medical school, uh, meets a woman, has a very difficult relationship with her. It's an it's, understatement. It's just all about him trying to figure out who he is, how he fits in, does he fit in. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. You managed that's about <laughs> 600 pages. I stopped at page uh, 599 because I figured... <laughs> You had enough. That's right. Yeah, you can't, we'll, <laughs> can't, we'll get to that. I can't yeah. go much faster than Other that. Other page yeah. later. Mm-hmm. There's obviously so much more in between mm-hmm. that whole life. And the title of Human Bondage is about him feeling in bondage from, from his emotions. He can't mm-hmm. control his emotions. And so he considers that to be a, a form of, of uh, slavery. It's so interesting that that's where he finds the bondage is in pursuing all of his emotions. Because I think today, if you asked people, what is the definition of freedom? They'd say, oh, let's do whatever you want. Right. Follow your emo- follow your passions, follow your mm-hmm. desires, your appetites. Mm-hmm. And what Somerset Maugham says is that's actually the opposite of freedom. If you follow your desires and your passions and you lose reason, you're in trouble. Yeah. And the book is all about him trying to beat his emotions, figure out who he is, figure out how he fits in life. Philip had a club foot. Yeah. And his uncle told him, if you pray hard enough, God will deliver whatever you want. Mm-hmm. So he prayed and prayed and prayed so the guy would fix his foot. Woke up the next day, still had the foot. Yeah. So he was kind of uh, disillusioned about religion. Studied in Germany for a little while. Mm-hmm. Wanted to become a, uh, a painter, then moved to France, studied there for a while. Uh, had the courage to talk to his professor about whether or not his work was any good because Philip didn't want to waste his life if uh, his work wasn't any good. So this uh, well-regarded French teacher goes to his apartment, looks at Philip's work, picks up his this one, this one, this one, looks at it, and proceeds to tell him that he's mediocre. 
Well, this is, this is actually, it's funny you mention it here. I'll just interject one of my favorite lines of the book when the professor says, you don't quite have it. And he says, I wish someone had given me that advice. It is cruel to discover one's mediocrity only when it is too late. It does not improve the temper. That's, and, and that's, that was probably my favorite part of the, of the book. Uh, again, this is a man who wanted to be an artist, the, Philip Carey, uh, goes to Paris to study, uh, somehow is able to study under this professor, summons the courage to have a professor come to his house and say, can you look at my stuff? Yeah. He did, didn't like it, or thought it was mediocre. Yeah. And then that part that you mentioned. And he said to um, Philip, who was destroyed, he said, look, do you have any, any means on your own? Are you financially independent? He goes, no. He said, so your, your, your subsistence depends upon your ability to sell your art. He said, yes. He said, there's nothing that hurts the soul more than the need for money. It isn't riches that one wants. It's yeah. to be comfortable, to be nice, uh, to not to be dependent upon somebody else. I only wish someone had given me the same advice when I was your age and that I had the courage to take it. So Philip leaves that profession and then he decides he wants to go to medical school, goes to medical school. Uh, one of my other favorite uh, parts of the book is when a senior nurse is taking him around. Uh, this was a mental institution where he was doing his interning. Yeah. And took him around to a ward and took him to a ward where people had tried to commit suicide. And yeah. he yeah. said to her, what is the primary reason that people commit suicide? And I thought for sure as I'm reading the book, it was going to be health problems. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, wife left him for another man. Well, yeah, he, he says, the character Philip says, I thought it was going to be for love. Yeah. But and, it's not for love. And she said, reversal of finances. That's why most people here try to kill themselves. And the thing that uh, Somerset Mom says in this novel is money is the sixth sense without which full use of the other five is not possible. And the reason I memorized that is because I liked the book so much, I then read an autobiography that he wrote called The Summing Up hmm. about his life. And when he wrote it, he was in his 50s. When he wrote Of Human Bondage, he was 41. The man lived to be almost 91 years old. So he, in his 50s, wrote The Summing Up probably assuming he wasn't going to live very long. He right. lived 40 more years. Right. And one of the many th themes throughout uh, the summing up is this very line. Money is the sixth sense without which full use of the other five is not possible. Because he always struggled in his life for money. It was a major theme of the, of the book, not to be dependent upon other people, not to be uh, bonded by the need to have just basic subsistence. Right. Philip also fell, fell in love with a uh, uh, shop girl named Mildred. Yeah. Who a trollop. Jacked him over. <laughs> She wasn't even that attractive, <laughs> nope. I but think he fell in love with her. At one point, he admits she is, watch your ears, a vulgar slut. Right. That's the term. Cheats on him. And he's right. Cheats on him, gets pregnant by somebody else. Yeah. He still is in love with her. He's paying for the kid. Yeah. So. Um, Poor sap. He and does, and the money, you know, it's not like he has a ton of money. He doesn't. It slips through his fingers. Right. Ultimately, he broke it, and finally, he, he met and married a, a woman, uh, and they settled down, and he became a doctor. In his autobiography, he talks about this. Huh. And he talks about how he feels that his ending was kind of a sellout. He said, because life is not where you tie it off with a nice, nice, neat bow like that and you ride off to the sunset. He said, but I wanted it to have a happy ending because it was much more of an, of an appealing ending to the readers. He said, but I also felt later on that I kind of was cowardly. It's funny you mention this because one thing that grips you about this book, I mean, like all great literature, 
when you read this book, you really feel that you're getting a life. I mean, you are getting from just after the, the boy was born up until he rides off into the sunset with his, with his wife. He considered that space of time to be a, a life worth writing about as well. Mm-hmm. But it's not sentimental. There's nothing, it's, it's unsentimental. Right. And you read all these stages from childhood to your insecurities to school to you start out at something and you fail at it to you get distracted mm-hmm. to you, you do something rotten to you fall in love with some trollop to you, you cheat a good woman to, I mean, all these things. And you look at it and you say, gosh, I see a little bit of me in there. Mm-hmm. Ah, he, oh, how does he know? And there's none of this, even the way that, that Philip, the character, pursues these ideas. He's in thrall of the ideas, in thrall of these artists. Mm-hmm. He's so pretentious. Right. He only wants to talk about the Impressionists one day, but then he meets another fancy guy who tells him the Impressionists are no good, so he moves on to something totally new, always chasing a new philosophy of life. He's got multiple philosophies of life mm-hmm. all the way through the book. He's trying to figure it out. He's trying to figure yeah. it out. And that's what's beautiful about the book. I think all great books really are an odyssey. Yes. Uh, Catcher in the Rye, an odyssey. You're trying to figure it out. You're trying to figure out who I am, what I am, how do I fit in, do I fit in, and if I don't fit in, is it my fault? Yeah. And that's what the novel is all about, and that's why I liked it so much. You know, there's an image in there that one of his derelict artist friends gives him. He said, what's the meaning of life? And uh, Philip, he doesn't know what to say. He says, I don't know, you tell me, what's the meaning of life? And this guy says, it's a Persian rug. You see, he refers to this Persian rug. Mm-hmm. He says, you're going to tell me what that means? He goes, no, you got to figure it out for yourself or it won't mean anything. And it's this image of a, of a Persian rug, this very rich tapestry, this ornate, all these patterns that you can't quite figure out until you look at the tapestry of one's own life, which takes on so much, so much more beauty, the richer, the more complex it is, like, like any human mm-hmm. life. There's one line in here I love because... Philip is not a particularly religious guy. He's kind of agnostic. Right. Somerset Maugham. So, so was he. Yeah, Somerset. Mm-hmm. He was not a mm-hmm. religious guy. He was right. pretty agnostic. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think his, him being raised by his uncle turned him off from religion. Yeah. yeah. yeah as, you know, as it would if you look at the character. Mm-hmm. But they're, they're debating one day, Philip and a friend, are debating Christianity and morality and abstract ideas. Mm-hmm. And he says that, no, my beliefs, they have nothing to do with Christianity. It's just abstract morality. And then here's the punchline. There's no such thing as abstract morality. And, and it, it's, it's not as though then Philip goes and runs and becomes a priest or something. Mm-hmm. But you have to stew on that because this is not just a work of philosophy. This is not just some manifesto of ideas. The way that Somerset Maugham is communicating this, this vision of life is through this rich story. There's nothing abstract about it. Mm-hmm. It's very very particular from birth all the way up until his marriage. In that uh, autobiography I mentioned earlier called The Summing Up, he talks about his own experiences in meeting other people, other Mm -hmm. great people. And he said, I've met a number of people, um, kings, queens, um, heads of state, heads of corporations. And he says, I'm always struck by how unimpressed I am when I meet them. (laughs) And he said, if you really admire someone, it's a better idea never to meet them because you're going to be Disappointed. Don't meet your heroes. Mm-hmm. And in the case of, of A Human Bondage, I, I mentioned the ending. He always felt that the ending was kind of a sellout because he struggled with his own life to figure out who and what he was. He was married, I think, twice. He has a mm-hmm. daughter. Uh, but he was uh, also involved with relationships with men. Mm-hmm. And he once said, I always told myself I was three quarters normal and one quarters queer. But I realized it was the other way around. Huh. 
So he's trying to figure out his own life. And so the ending with the happily married kind of marriage thing, it didn't ring true. And mm -hmm. when I remember reading it, I said, this doesn't seem like the same depth of analysis yeah. Yeah. that your other chapters in your life had. And he later on said that it's because he kind of didn't really feel it was a real ending, but it was an ending that he thought the readers would find more acceptable. And there is something to be said for the fact that with this level of insight and, you know, we talk about the lack of sentimentality. It, this is true of, of the poor. This is true of the middle class. It's true of the rich. It's true of kings, right? The way he looks at them is he doesn't idealize anybody. Mm -hmm. You know, it's all real. But with, a, with that kind of level of insight, it's got to end at some point. You know, Somerset Maugham had not completed his life yet. And so I agree when you read the ending, you know, it, it does sort of end and they mm -hmm. put a little bow on it at mm -hmm. the end. But to me, there's something sort of fitting about that. I mean, that it, that is a story. We've, it's got to end somewhere. And probably it wasn't set very satisfying to Somerset Maugham mm -hmm. because he was talking about his own life. Right. He also said um, about his own work. Uh, in in the summing up, he said, "I once said to someone in in, a, in, a, in an interview, I'm really not that creative. Hmm. What I do is live my own life, and then I kind of write about my own life. But I'm really not that creative." And he said, from that point on, when people reviewed his books, they would say, "Somerset Mom, comma, who admitted he's not particularly creative, comma, wrote another book that isn't <laughs> that isn't." And he said, "Never cheapen your own currency." In a way to be sort of self-effacing or humble, mm -hmm. but he did. He kind of cheapens his own mm -hmm. currency there. And one of the reasons that I think he wrote so sensitively about Philip is because he too had a defect. He stuttered. Hmm, uh, he I also had a, uh, I think the word is prognathius, it kind of having a large a large chin that kind mm -hmm. of protrudes. If you look at a picture of him, kind of like this. Yeah. So yeah. those were his two defects and it hmm. bothered him. And I'm sure when he was raised by his uncle in real life, he probably prayed to get rid of his jaw and get rid of his uh, stutter and didn't get rid of either. And, you know, I guess that that wish is a, a key to the book, right? That wish of, I'm just praying. I was told if I have faith, right. then I, anything that I want to change will change. And yet I don't, so I guess I don't, it's not changing, so I guess I don't have sufficient faith. Right. It, it ties into this question of the will and this question of our freedom, and this question of what it is to be in bondage. And mm -hmm. I think this book is such a great one to go back and read for the time that we're living in right now, because we have this big debate going on over what is freedom mm -hmm. and what is slavery. There's a, a kind of modern idea of freedom. The freedom is just do whatever you want. Just go, follow whatever passions you have, follow whatever desires you have. But it's that very definition of freedom that Mom seems to be describing as slavery. Mm -hmm. He struggled with fitting in. He, he struggled with how much he should concede to fit in. Yeah. He was, in real life, born in France. Hmm. His uh, father was a, a British diplomat working in France. And so Philip's first language was, was French. Hmm. And when he finally moved back to, uh, uh, to London, uh, he had a huge accent. And he was mocked and ridiculed. So he was ridiculed for his accent. He stuttered. And he felt... Like he didn't fit, like he didn't yeah. belong. And that's why he, he uh, I think, wrote so sensitively about Philip Carey right. and all of his problems. Right, because, you know, he's got, you can see from the character, he's got a bit of a chip on his shoulder, you know, going mm -hmm. on throughout the book. And he he is given to flights of fancy. So, you know, he doesn't stick with any career. I mean, mm -hmm. I suppose by the end of the book he does, mm -hmm. but who knows, the book ends, so right. we don't even know what happens right. after that. He, you know, he, he's going to take this kind of professional clerk job, then he's going to be an artist, then he's going to be a doctor, mm -hmm. then he's going to write. He, mm -hmm. he can't figure it out. 
What is it about our passions that enslave us? When you read each and every scene, when Philip is in the throw of some passion, a passion of love, a passion of art, it seems as though he's pursuing his perfect freedom right. to go to France, mm -hmm. his perfect freedom to follow this awful woman, mm -hmm. Mildred. Mm -hmm. And only in retrospect does he realize, no, he, he isn't free at all unless he can tame those passions. Well, Michael, the book is about what is the meaning of life? I mean, it, yeah. it, it's a, what is it? Why am I here? What should I be doing? Um, how do I fit in? How do I relate? And it's a struggle. And yeah. I think by the end of it, he still hasn't figured it out. Uh, he figured it out in the book, but in real life, right. uh, he still didn't figure it out. I mean, it's... Again, what makes, I think, all great literature great, yeah. the struggle. Uh, I read the book when I was almost 30 years old. Oh, so th this was not something you read in high school? No, and then, no this no. is a long time ago, but I read it almost when I was 30 years old. Uh, you know, I, I was 30 when I read it, too, which was about <laughs> two days ago. Two days ago. <laughs> yeah. And I loved it, and I told my mom about it. Um, and my mom picks it up, and she reads the whole thing. And we began mm. talking about it. And to, to inspire your mother to read a book yeah. like this, as yeah. complicated as it is, as, yeah. as involved as it is, um, is is quite something. And once people pick this thing up, yeah. even as long as it is, and it's not difficult to read, yeah. uh, he's a good, fluid writer, uh, vivid characters, especially Mildred, mm -hmm. and uh, I think people are going to really enjoy well, it. This is what's so, so great about him, and this is his greatest work of human bondage, mm -hmm. is Every time you think you've nailed him down, every t kind of like the character, Philip, mm -hmm. every time you think you've put him in a corner, he jumps out. Mm -hmm. He can't. So he'll write it in really, a really heartbreaking way about the pangs of, of love and failure and right. multiple failures. And you think you, you've got him there. And then he'll have some line that is so cutting, so funny, so biting that you say, oh, okay, we're back in a sort of comedy now. Mm -hmm. You don't know whether you, you want to cry with Philip or, or laugh right. at Philip. And it, the point that he keeps coming back to also when we're talking about this big theme, bondage, you know, freedom, is the uselessness of it all. What's the point? These, he says people are living pointless <laughs> lives. Mm -hmm. They're dying pointlessly. The world would have been no different had they ever lived. And this seems to disgust him early on. And yet he, he seems to accept that. Later, later, he actually has this line. He says, you know, of all the great heroes and dramas per pursuing our wills, it had never occurred to him that being born, going to school, getting a job, settling down with a family, and living a fine life might be just about the perfect way right, to do it. Right. We think so deeply about things sometimes. Yeah. Uh, and we make them more complicated than they need to be. And I think that's what he was figuring out. Uh, ultimately, it's about can you figure out a place where you're calm, yeah. where you're relaxed, where you feel you've made a contribution. And I think he felt that near, near the end. And you see the stories, too, that we tell ourselves. You know, I, I remember in college, I took this writing course. And and the essay, or the, you know, the kind of exercise that we did was write a five-page autobiography. Hmm. And the things you put in and the things you left out would tell you a lot about where you were at the time. And the professor said, people should do this every five years and see how different the stories become. And with such a, a broad, wide-ranging novel as this, by the time you get to the end, you kind of forget about what was happening in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And Somerset Maugham writes this way. Philip says, oh, who was that friend of mine at school? We got five chapters about that friend. Like, mm -hmm. I, I forget his name now. Right. It's, his name slips my mind. Right. That one's life and, and these seemingly pointless, often failed attempts to do something, to create, craft something, create a, a totally unexpected tapestry by the end in which you might find some meaning, or, or you might not find some meaning. 
he doesn't leave you with a conclusion. There's, you don't close the book and say, all right, go forth, Christian right. soldier. That's the reader's job. So I think the fact that I read this when I was older, 30 yeah. years old, as opposed to a teenager, gave it much more meaning. I might have found it even boring when I was a teenager if it had been assigned. Right. But um, it depends on who you are, what you bring to the book, yeah. uh, where you are in life, uh, what things are, are, are you're worried about. All those things go into the experience a reader has when a reader is reading a novel. And our understanding, too, of our own constraints and our own freedom, right. it changes just as Phillips does throughout life. So when you're a little kid with a club foot and you can't do very much, mm-hmm. y- you have a certain sense of, of your constraints. Right. Then you, you know, you, you're in school, you're in college, you're out of college, you're mm-hmm. in your first job, but you're, maybe you're not doing great. Maybe you are. You're chasing some crazy woman. You're getting married. All of those steps give us a little bit more of an insight on something like freedom, mm-hmm. on something like bondage. You can't, you can't narrow down some big idea like that into just an abstract manifesto. Here's a one-line definition. So what Somerset Maugham is showing us is, no, it's, it's much more complex than that. And the, the more you see it, the more you, the more you learn about it, probably the less you'll be able to simplify it. Mm-hmm. And he's written a lot of stuff. He's written yeah. plays, he's written other novels, short yeah. stories. And generally speaking, even the most well-read person will know maybe that book and maybe one other thing he's done. Right. So I wonder what he would have said about his own life. All the stuff he's written, but the right. thing that people mm-hmm. remember is this one right here, not anything else, anything before or after. Wow, what an insight. Because but if you were to meet Philip at the end of the book, and you've met him on the street, say, oh, he's a married guy and he's a doctor. Oh, yeah, there's Dr. Philip. Uh, his wife, is, doesn't he have a lovely wife? Mm-hmm. You would know nothing about, he was an artist. He right. was a painter. He was a, lo- he was a loafer. He was a salesman. He was a bad student. He was a good student. You, you, mm-hmm. All of that's gone. You right. just, you kind of just know that particular story. And that, that is changing. I mean, mm-hmm. that, uh, that's, a beautiful insight that you know, and, and, and writers read their reviews and they care about what people think about them, what people think about their work. I was um, visiting a friend of mine and got a ride by a cab driver from her house to the airport. And we're driving and the cab driver asked me a few questions about myself. And I told him a few things. He said, I think I know who you are. You're that, um, I'm going to say radio host or the guy I see on Fox. Yeah. He goes, you're that, you're, you're that writer. And... Hmm. I just heard something going, wah, 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 because that's how I've always wanted to be perceived. When I was a little kid, I wanted to be a writer. Never thought about radio, never thought about TV. I am wow. as shocked as you are that I'm doing this. I always thought of myself as a writer. And so for this cab driver to say, you're the writer, right? It was just, I couldn't believe it. If mom were in a, in a car and someone asked him what he did, and he goes, oh, I, I think I know your work. Uh, you did the uh, human bondage and knew nothing else. Right. How would he feel about that? He was so prolific. Mm-hmm. He did so much. Wrote all the time. Wrote all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, you, you nailed it when you said most people have read this book and maybe one other book. Mm-hmm. I have read one other book. It's right. called Now and Then. It's a very fun little book that he wrote. Right. But n- very few people in, a, in the cab would say, oh, you're the author of Now and Then, right? Mm-hmm. It, it is this. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. What, what does it tell us about ourselves, how we've lived, what, what use we've made of our freedom, right. what use our constraints have had on us that defines us? Yeah, he wrote that when he was 41. He lived to be 91. So he had 50 more years of productivity after that. And yet people focus on this and virtually nothing else huh. he's done. I wonder how he felt about that, how, how he would feel about that. I think we could probably delve this man's life, this mm-hmm. character's life, and our own lives much more, but we have to leave it there with the writer and radio host. 
and television commentator and man of many talents and a film producer. Film producer. I've got a film a documentary coming out on June the 19th called Uncle Tom. Go to UncleTom.com. You'll check out three short 30-second trailers. What's wrong with people who simply say, I don't know this is the right route, and they're called Uncle Toms and sellouts and coons and self-loathing. What is that about? We can't have an intelligent discussion about different issues without me being a sellout, without right. me being a, a self-loather? It's just another label that yeah. someone would put on, just another way to shut down to conversation. pin you down yeah. and to shut it down. Mm -hmm. So a man of many talents, obviously, a renaissance man. <laughs> and one thing that he excels at, just as well as everything else, is recommending books. So go out and read Of Human Bondage by Somerset Maugham. If you haven't done it already, then read the next book, and we will see you next time. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Book Club. Thank you so much for watching this episode of The Book Club on PragerU. PragerU is a 501c3 nonprofit organization, so we rely on donations from viewers like you to keep this content on the air. Please consider making a tax-deductible contribution today to help keep this content coming. Thank you very much.